Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. So welcome to the, another episode of the Boys in Blue podcast. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. And we have another exciting episode today, a fascinating guest. I'm just amazed at the technology. Usually I'm behind the titanium microphone in our Mesa, Arizona, Boys in Blue podcast studio. But today... Uh, due to technology, I'm over here in Santa Ana, California, taking care of some business. And what's even more fascinating is our guest is about 3,000 miles away over in the state of Florida. So we have as our guest today, Sheriff Grady Judd of Polk County, Florida. Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, Sheriff Judd. Bill, it's really an awesome opportunity to be with you today. And thank you very much for inviting me. You know, and just let me set this up for our listeners. Oh, several months ago, uh, you got these Antivia, Black Matters groups, and oh, they're burning down Portland. They're chasing the police out of their precinct in Seattle, raising cane in New York. And my wife and I are watching the national news, and it comes on, the governor of Florida is giving a news conference of some kind, and he says, uh, Sheriff, would you like to say a few words? And this sheriff gets up there. And he says, yeah, you know, I've heard that some of the Activia folks are maybe heading this way. And I just wanted to kind of give you a heads up. that You may not get the same reception here that you're accustomed to. You see, our citizens here in Polk County, Florida, why, they're armed. I encourage them to be armed. And if you were to be looting or breaking into their residences or assaulting people, they might just, uh, if you came into their place of business or residence, they might just blow you out the same way you came in. And I encourage them to do that. <laughs> we're watching you, Judge. And uh, my wife says, I love this, man. You know, we're going to be in Florida on vacation. I wonder how far Polk County is from where we're going to be. So we looked and it wasn't very far. So first thing I know, my wife has set up an appointment with you in your office to visit with you and just tell you thank you for being a, a man that's for the rule of law and a God-fearing sheriff. So <laughs> we ended up visiting you in your office and we appreciated that so much. That was uh, a real treat for us. That made our vacation. Well, I enjoyed being with you. And, you know, it's not difficult to tell people the truth. I've got a wonderful community here. It's a safe community, and it's a little over 700,000. And where I live, right is right, and wrong is wrong, and wrong is never right. And our community supports me and supports our law enforcement officers. So we live in a totally different environment from what we're watching on the evening news. And quite frankly, I think most of America is totally different than what we're seeing in Portland and Seattle and and these these mega cities. 
quite frankly, I don't know why anyone would be a law enforcement officer in a community such as that when there's so many wonderful areas in this country that would appreciate good professional law enforcement officers. I wouldn't work there. If I did work there, I'd freeze my retirement and move out. They don't appreciate good law enforcement and they should do without it for a while. And I believe they changed their attitude. You know, I think they're coming around to our way of thinking a little bit after. <laughs> it's okay as long as it's happened to someone else, but when they get in your neighborhood, oh, yeah, where's the where's the police now, right? <laughs> well, now, you've been with Polk County since you were, what, 18 years old? Tell me about your background, how you got drawn to law enforcement. Sure. I, I tell folks I believe it's just a God thing. It was my mission field in life. And from the time I was a very small child, all I ever wanted to be was the sheriff. I wanted to work in law enforcement. And I mean, when I say a small child, I'm talking five, six years old, as far back as I can remember. Hmm. In fact, my mom, way back in the day, has an old eight millimeter video of me wearing a little policeman's outfit she bought me for Christmas. And she bought me a punching bag and I'm beating up the punching bag. <laughs> And uh, while I'm wearing my, my placement's uniform. Wow. So wow. I'm surprised that somebody back in the day didn't say I was using too much force. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when I graduated from high school in June, the sheriff at the time hired me in July to work in what we called in the radio room. It's the communication center now. And then my high school sweetheart married me in September. So that was a very eventful year. And I've been working with the sheriff's office ever since. So I've gone from dispatcher to sheriff. And I ran for sheriff after 32 years of being the sheriff. I mean, being a deputy and a supervisor and an administrator. My sheriff retired and I ran when he retired. And I have carried on the tradition and, have, and I've just won my fifth term in office with no opposition. So, wow. so so beginning in January, I'll be beginning my fifth term as sheriff. Now, these are four-year terms? Your four-year terms. Okay. Well, man, a lot. So, <laughs> you're starting your fifth term. That's right. I've, I've done this 48 years. Did you ever, was there... Any of those elections, were any of them opposed, or have they all been unopposed? No, the first one, I was opposed by two people. We run nonpartisan here, and I had a, a, one of our former lawyers run against me, and one of my deputies ran against me. And I had a great campaign team. The overwhelming majority of the people, the sheriff's office supported me. And I won that race by almost 65% against two incumbents. Wow, wow, and, wow. And the last three elections, I've had write-in opponents, and this time I didn't have any opponent. Oh, I found if you work real hard and do what people hire you to do, and you're honest with the community, and you're transparent, and you support your deputies, then everything works out. And there's nothing more important to me in the world than the men and women of the sheriff's office and I will fight for them to the very end because they do a very difficult job under difficult circumstances to keep the community safe. I support them, and they do what's right to keep the community safe. Well, you know, uh, your idea of right and wrong, being transparent and everything, 
uh, out in front of your complex there, which I want, I want you to tell me about that in a few minutes, the complex. But uh, I, is, is that the proper term, complex? Sure. <laughs> Can, Sheriff's Campus. How is that? It sounds a little more mellow. Anyway, you have a, a picture of a canine officer and his canine dog there in the memorial garden you have out front. And um, this guy was killed in the line of duty, and I think his dog was too. What's the story on that? And tell me about, uh, can you tell us about the confrontation you had with the media about how many shots were fired or something like that? Sure. When you, when we you had confronted a deputy, the suspect. We had a deputy in 2006, Deputy Matt Williams, who, who responded as a backup unit to a traffic stop. The, the originating deputy made a traffic stop, determined the guy was not only speeding, but he didn't have a driver's license. So when he went to arrest this person that didn't have a driver's license, he broke and ran from him into a large, overgrown, wooded forest, literally a forest of about 300 acres. This was a piece of property that had been allowed to, to grow wild, and I mean... We're talking about massive oak trees and uh, big vines, and it, it's not a forest you would think of walking through. In fact, you couldn't walk through it. So uh, Matt Williams arrived. He was my canine deputy with his canine, and the three of them went out looking for this guy. Well, he was hidden, and he ambushed, shot and killed the canine, shot and killed Matt Williams, Deputy Williams, and then shot the backup in the leg. And the backup called for help, was looking for cover. He grabbed Deputy Williams' firearm and then ran into the woods. And of course, Deputy Williams and the canine died, which was a horrible event in and of itself, but we got a perimeter set pretty quickly. The Lakeland Police Department, it was con uh, it was next to our, the Lakeland city limits. They ran out to help us, and he tried to get out of the perimeter and actually shot at two of the Lakeland police officers, but fortunately he missed both of them. So he so he's killed a canine, killed a deputy, shot the backup deputy in the leg, and tried to kill two Lakeland police officers. We, got, we had him surrounded. We had him in the wooded areas. The next day, we... Of course, that night we kept a tight perimeter. We kept aviation in the air so that we could keep him as pinned down as possible. So we had helicopters from all over Central Florida law enforcement agencies assisting us. The next morning we put a huge SWAT team together, uh, SWAT teams from all over Central Florida, and they literally walked shoulder to shoulder through the 300 acres. Well, on their very first pass, they discovered him hiding underneath a large oak tree, covered up, concealed, and they told him to give up, and he pointed his gun at this one contingent of SWAT members, and we shot him up a lot. So we made the release that, you know, the guy pointed the dead deputy's gun at our deputies and the we, we, the SWAT team, had shot him, and he was now deceased. Well, over the, they did the autopsy, and over the weekend, I got a call from one of the newspapers. Well, I thought it, the call was from 
a sheriff in an adjoining county or I wouldn't have answered it. When I answered it, the guy said, I'm from the Orlando Sentinel, and I've just gotten a report from the medical examiner's office that said you shot, 60, shot this man 68 times. <laughs> I said, yes, we did. And he said, well, what would you tell those who question why you shot him 68 times? And I said, well, anyone who questions that, tell them the reason we shot him 68 times is we ran out of bullets. <laughs> and he laughed and said, you know, I'm going to write that. And I said, well, I hope that you do. I said, because he'd already shot and killed a canine. He'd shot and killed a deputy. He'd shot a backup deputy. He shot at two police officers. And he pointed a gun at a SWAT team. What did he think was going to happen to him? Exactly. So they wrote exactly. all that in the newspaper, and the rest is history. I could find the cure to cancer, and people wouldn't remember my name. But in police circles, for literally ever since then, people go, oh, you're the guy who said you shot him till you ran out of bullets. <laughs> well, you know, there were a few people in the community who didn't like that, and you know what I told them? Get over it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I think that's why you're on your fifth term as sheriff, because people feel safe and uh, they know you're a man. Of, you do the right thing and a rule of law, you know, means right and wrong, plus the transparency. That's beautiful. Well, how many deputies do you have working for you there in you know, Polk County? I've got a little over a thousand deputies. Wow. I didn't know it was that It's big. a large county. It's a large sheriff's office. And man. I... I, I can tell you they, they do a great job every day. I'm so proud of the men and women of the sheriff's office. You know, I tell folks, I'm at the age now, some kids, some families, or some families have two children, three children, four children, and maybe five or six grandchildren. I tell folks, I've got a little over a thousand children. But really, they're not children. They're very professional men and women. But I, I love these deputies. And I have the greatest respect for them and the job that they do every day. And I'm so proud of them. They're like my, my family. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Well, you know, you've developed there a, such a positive uh, work environment and culture, Sheriff. My hat's off to you for that. And I think it's that very reason that uh, you put them first in a lot of ways, like, uh, because you are their leader. But now tell me about this uh, your sheriff's campus there on 10 acres we were just fascinated with uh the, i know it's 10 years old maybe or something but uh the technology there just still outshines so many other uh places how did that come about and tell me about what's on that complex there it's pretty interesting we we're blessed our board of county commissioners are wonderful i have now presented 16 budgets to them We've not had one budget fight in 16 years. My budget finance team works with their budget finance team. We don't gouge the county. We don't. We ask to pay a fair salary and great benefits for our deputies. And we've never had any conflict like you see traditionally between city commissioners or county commissioners and their police or sheriff's offices. So I'm blessed that we've, and we've had several different commissioners because they term limit here. But the commissioners make crime prevention and public safety number one. And we had long outgrown our old admin building down in the Hall of Justice in Bartow, which is the county seat, small town, but it's K-12 
county seat for a large sheriff's office in a large county. So at the time, this was really before I was sheriff, I was a colonel over administration at that period of time. The number two guy to the county manager called me up and said, hey, we need to evict you because we need this space for the courts. And you don't have enough space, so what if we build you a new building? So they were going to put us on 80 acres that was that was next to the current county seat, which was not enough land to grow with. But, hey, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. Sure, well, the negotiations went on. Things, they tried to gouge the county. And the, the number two guy called me up one day and he said, look, this is not working. He said, do you know somebody that owns some land? I said, I know somebody that knows everything. And I don't know everything, but I know somebody who does. <laughs> this county is about 2,000 square miles. And I wanted to be up on our, what we call the loop, our parkway, so that we'd have faster access to the northeast area of the county, which is the big growth end of the county anyway. So we contacted a couple of ladies that owned a huge amount of property and were able to buy 225 acres for the same thing the other people were going to try to sell us 80 acres for. And then the Board of County Commissioners, the way the law works in Florida, I can't own real estate, and I can't own buildings. These are all county-owned. But this is how great our commissioners and our staff and their staff is and how well we get along. They said, okay, you can have $30 million go build what you need. So we built a sheriff's office and, and our emergency communication center next to it. And we also built an operations center for the county next to that. So we've got this wonderful facility. And then we run the police academy for the local community college, which is contracted with the state of Florida, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So we run that on contract, and we had the number one accredited law enforcement police academy in the state and the only one attached to a community college in the nation, and we were kind of in crappy environment there. So I asked the Board of County Commissions, will, will you give the community college 10 acres of land if they'll build us a, a public safety, a state-of-the-art public safety community area? And they said, sure, we, we will. So then I went to a friend of mine who was not only in the legislature as a senator, but he was in charge of all finances. And I told him, I said, I need some help, brother. And he said, what do you need? And I said, I need $30 million to build a, a new police academy. <laughs> he said, do you see we're in the downturn of the economy? And I said, yeah, that's why I only ask you for $30 million. There you go. <laughs> and over the next three years, he got me started with $7 million, And then he turned out, and another friend of mine was in charge of the money for the House side. He was up for the Senate the House. And, of course, they reconcile the budgets. And over the next two years, we got the rest of the $30 million, And we have built a world-class training facility on the same academy, or, excuse me, the same property as the Sheriff's Operations Center. So we got the academy. We got the Emergency Operations Center. We got the Emergency Dispatch Center. And we got the headquarters for the sheriff's office all on the same campus. 
Now, I've got two large jails in addition to that, and I've got five district stations that captains and majors run that's scattered throughout this big county. But that's kind of an overview of the size of our organization in the county. Well, I tell you what, we were just taken back by how you set that up. It's uh, so, it's just an amazing complex. And uh, I can see, uh, well, just let me say this on the side. When we walked into your office, Sheriff, first thing I saw, and of course I'm a retired policeman, but now I'm a hospice chaplain. So I pick up on things that maybe other people don't, but I think they do. First thing I saw on your desk was the Bible, <laughs> which is unusual to see in a public office, but that was a good thing. And so I honestly believe the way you've manipulated this, I shouldn't say manipulate, the way you've orchestrated this whole situation has had, you've had some divine intervention making all that happen. But one of the things was my wife is a retired dispatcher from the Mesa Police Department in Arizona, but we were just taken back by that communication center there. When you walk in and you see that you think you're in a, a, a theater, the screen is so big, uh, it's got every, against that one, the far wall, the great big uh, cinema screen, it's got the location of every police car, every call pending. On the, on the other side of the screen, it's got every fire truck, every what station. Now, tell me how that all went down. That is an amazing thing. Well, that was part of the, the original design for this new facility, and we've been in it about 10 years. But the screen is 55 feet long, and I think about 12 or 15 foot high. And it's so that we can keep up with everything that is occurring at one time. Uh, keep in mind that, for reference for your colleagues, our communications center employs a little over 150 people. We dispatch police, EMS, fire, and sheriff's office for all but two tiny police departments and one large police department. Everybody else in the county is dispatched by us. Okay. It's a massive operation. Sure. And sure. we have about 35-ish to 40 people that work in that comm center at any given time. So it's, it's large, and it, it came about because the Board of County Commissioners had fire and EMS and fire and EMS dispatch. I had sheriff's office and sheriff's office dispatch. Well, they wanted to combine the centers back in the day. And this was when I, once again, when I was in charge of administration. And I explained to them that the county was not going to dispatch for the sheriff's office, not now, not ever, but I would be more than happy to dispatch for EMS and fire but they would have to build me a facility that was large enough to tackle that. Well, little did I know that they didn't want a dispatch for us. They were looking for a way to get rid of dispatch because <laughs> it was a very, very difficult job and it still is to this day. Well, I've got really a world-renowned director of, or of emergency communications there that has now been with me probably 35 years at the organization 
and he's probably been in charge of communications uh, 12 or 15. He actually retired once as a captain over the boot camp and detention, and, and I talked him into coming back because he is just a systems and a process-centered guy and the absolute very best in the business. So that's how all that came about. So now you are talking... Uh, about the man I met and was so impressed with, Deputy Director Kurt Lockwood. Yes. Yes. What a, what a valuable asset he is to you. Man, he gave us a tour of that place. And for people who can't vision a 55-foot screen, long screen, <laughs> it's like you're at the uh, Space Center, uh, NASA, you know, the Kennedy Space Center or something. I mean, it just gives you that total overview. Then... Plus, every dispatcher uh, and call receiver has their own uh, workstation. It's all electronic. The desk goes up and down, in and out. The screens go up and down, in and out, tilt. I mean, it is fascinating, state-of-the-art. And one of the things what uh, your deputy director there mentioned that I think a lot of other communication systems are missing is the uh, positive work environment there. People uh, enjoy working there. They they realize what a good job it is. And yes, it's difficult at times, but they know that they're appreciated and respected. And that's so important. I think you've got a good man there. That's for sure. But anyway, so now I've got kind of the overview of, of this and you've been there since you were 18 years old. Um, what is your vision now and in going into your fifth term for You know, there's always a lot of work to do. And one of the areas, not only in this county, this state, but this nation that really concerns me is the mentally ill. Unfortunately, I run the largest mental health facility in the entire county. It's called the county jail. And as a result of that, my goal for the next four years is see if we can solidify mental health services from different private providers our different hospitals, which are also private providers, the county jail and our deputies. Over the years, I have watched our drug addiction go up in this county. I have watched our mental, mentally ill go up in this county, while at the same time, our crime rate's at an all-time low. The average crime rate for a big metropolitan area is 15 to 20 crimes per 100 people per year. Mine's 1.4. But the problem is that we're seeing more and more kids and young adults and middle-aged adults addicted to drugs and, and mental health issue, and it's co, it, it, I say co-located in their body. I mean, it's tied together. We're going to try to work to see if we can't create a mainstream philosophy we don't need more people on the front end identifying people with mental illness. We got that figured out. We have in the state of Florida the Mental Incompetency Act, which is called the Baker Act, where we can send people for help. But there's just no remarkable follow-up to that or organized programs that, that can encourage and or make people get help. So I'm hoping that it may take some legislation over the next four years, that we can create a, if you will, a civil commitment 
where people are committed to a program, not necessarily housing, because I realize that's a huge step because of so many mentally ill, but uh, that we can get a civil commitment to programs where they have to go to counseling, they have to take their medicine, and get the resources to send mental health counselors to their house so that they can treat them before they commit crime, before they become drug addicts, or to rescue them from that drug environment. So that's my number one goal over this next term of office. And quite frankly, we have a wonderful community. Our mental health folks, our hospitals, we all work together. We don't, you know, some communities, they, they wake up every morning trying to figure out what's the easiest way to poke each other in the eyes. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that environment here. So it's just about trying to get everybody that's already in the boat to row in the same direction. So that's what we're going to work over on over the next uh, four years. Well, I think that's, that is absolutely a, a worthy goal. And, and you know, it goes back to your common sense approach to things. I mean, I've, I've had on the podcast the director of prisons in uh, Arizona, and the expense to keep someone incarcerated for some of this stuff is just, I mean, you could use that money so much more efficiently in, in uh, prevention and uh, getting people the help they need. I think that's a, a very worthy goal. I'll be excited to sit back and watch you make it happen, because if anybody can, I think you can, Sheriff. Well, we're going to give it the old college try. And there you go, just, there you go. It's just an honor to talk to you today and, and be able to share with your constituency what we do in our community. And if well, you have any young, bright, intelligent, educated, college-educated relatives, that want to come to work for what I believe is the most professional law enforcement agency in the country, send them down to sunny Florida to see me. Well, I tell you what, Sheriff, and, and that was another thing real quickly that I was so impressed that no one becomes a supervisor in your department without um, leadership training and uh, the education to go along with it. And I thought that was a, a remarkable uh protocol that you've got in place there but listen let me just let me just ex, uh ex, extend my uh thanks again for you know i never thought that the, you'd you know who calls up a sheriff out of the blue and just, yeah we're retired law enforcement but uh, you sat down with us in your office then had your uh, uh crime prevention uh robert grover i think his name was uh yeah. volunteer he gave us a tour of the facility and to meet mr uh, your the borough director there, Mr. Lockwood. Uh, so we just, that was the highlight of our vacation, just seeing how that operation works. And my hat's off to you. Godspeed to you. And I'll tell you what, if you ever get out here to Mesa, Arizona, uh, you just leave your wallet and your glove box and come see us, and we'll take care of you. You got a deal. Thank you very much. Well, I wish okay. God's greatest blessings on you and your family. And if you ever need anything in my world, I'm here for you. Oh, thank you so much. Now, Sheriff, if you just stay on the line for a moment while I close this out, I'd appreciate it. Okay. So that's our episode for today, and uh, we thank uh, Sheriff Judd again for being our guest today. So this will conclude this podcast for the boys in blue, and we'll see you again down the road. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to the Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. 
Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think.